Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. In Exodus chapter 16, I'm going to read again, and you can read the entire chapter. I'm going to read again verses 11 through 15. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin, layer, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? What is it? For they did not know what it was. I want to talk about God's provision. You may not know what it is. Maybe I should say, you may not perceive what it is. God's provision. You may not perceive what it is. This whole thing about being keen and paying attention to God has just really been impressed in my spirit for a long time. Ah, and part of this deals with whether we take God seriously or not. Sometimes we just don't take God seriously. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Grant me a fresh anointing of your spirit so that I might minister under your anointing and communicate everything that you want me to communicate to your people today. Thank you for your anointing upon our lives. Yokes will be destroyed and burdens removed as we receive your engrafted word this day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. I advise you to become a student of the word of the Lord. Uh, if you've been saved for a number of years, listen to me good. If you've been saved for a number of years, you should be reading your Bible. Amen. So that you will know text when the whole thing is not read. Amen. Praise the Lord. But go back and read this because it's important to read it and not just see it for its historical value, but see what the Lord may be saying to you in the midst of his word. Amen. God's provision. You may not know what it is. So when this, when this strange occurrence happened and they looked at this this substance that was on the ground that they had never seen before that they were expected to eat. They said, what is it? Now, you know, as I, as I thought about this, I thought about us today when you understand this text. 
most of us would turn up our noses at it and we would not eat it because we don't know what it is. I was reading a devotional that talked about this and the guy talked about being a particular, a peculiar eater. And I know there are a lot of peculiar eaters in this congregation today. You turn up your nose at food or you smell it first to see what it smells like. That, that, just, that irks me to no end. I cook something, you smell it first to see. I'm, a, I'm offended that you smell my food to see what it is. You don't know what it tastes like until you taste it. <laughs> but with a lot of peculiar eaters, and he talked about being in Amman, Jordan, and, and food being put before him, and he asking the question, what is it, what is it, what is it? Talked about being a peculiar eater. Some people, some people won't fare well on the mission field because you're so peculiar about what you eat. You can't be peculiar. Amen. And now, you know, there are certain things I don't eat because I choose not. I don't eat chitlins. I don't have to smell chitlins up close to know that they're chitlins. There are certain things I just choose not to eat, but, but I love food. And I love different kinds of food. I love to try any nationality of food. And I found that that kind of excites my palate and makes me make my tongue come alive, my taste buds come alive, uh, and know that there's, there's much better food than, than food that's just cooked Southern style. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, this, this message will speak to us today, I pray. Uh, starting out, the thing that the Lord laid on my heart is that God wants us to know that everything points back to him. Think about stuff that happens in your life. Some way, somehow or another, things will point back to God. For, for success and victory and progress in our lives, God is the author. Now, victory does not come without pain. Success is not going to come without struggle. Amen. No football team wins a game just by going out on the field and playing. No player becomes good because he plays in every game. Nor does he become good because he goes to practice. Am I right? There's some hard work that has to go into becoming good. There's some pain that has to go into becoming successful. There's some struggle that has to go into becoming victorious and successful in our lives. So we have to understand that, 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 that God is the author of much of the things, of many of the things that happens in our lives. And some of the things that God is the author of does not feel good to us. Matter of fact, we will say, this can't be God. But in the midst of what we're going through, we have to learn to look to God. We have to learn to trust God. And we have to learn to honor him and no one else. 
Thank God for the people in our lives. You know, I thank the Lord for my parents who raised me uh, to know the Lord. I thank God for my father who took me to Sunday school, who made sure that we were in Sunday school every Sunday. And when the snow, it was snowing and ice on the ground and we couldn't get to the sanctuary, we had Sunday school at home. I thank God for my foundation. But I got to honor God who gave me a father who understood the value of laying a solid foundation for me. So I honor God. I thank God for people in my life. We thank God for our jobs. We thank God for our homes. We thank God for our family. However, it is in God that we live, that we move, and that we have our being. You're not living and moving because of the man you married or the woman you married. Thank God for them. Children, Thank God for your parents, but you're not living and moving and having your being because of your parents. We've got to come to the place that we recognize the God that we serve and that we take him seriously in our lives. God alone deserves deserves the recognition. He deserves the honor. He deserves the glory and the praise. Not just in our songs. Not just in lifting our hands. Not just in laying prostrate on the floor, if that's what we do. But in our psyche, in our very minds, in our beings, we have to give God praise. We have to give God the recognition. And even when we're going through struggles, we've got to get to the place that we lift our minds to God and in our very beings that we're giving God praise in the midst of what we're going through. Because you're going to go through something in this life. You're going to go through something. And some of the things that you're going through, God orchestrated it. We sing, (laughs) and I was thinking about this as we're singing, you know, uh, uh, and if our God is is with us, and if our God is for us, who can stand against us? What if God is standing against you? What if it's God who has taken a stand against you because of what he wants to happen in your life? Now, we don't want to talk about that. We come to church and we sing our praises and we dance and we got our praise on and we got the prophetic word. But what about the obedience in our lives and the honor and the praise that we're really giving to God in our very being? What if it's God that is taking a stand against you? And when God takes a stand against you, nothing is going to change until you lift up your Nebuchadnezzar. Nothing is going to change until you change and begin to give praise and honor and glory to God in your very being, not just with your lips. I know that's a tough one, but have you ever stopped and said and asked God, are you against me? Am I going through something in my life because you have taken a stand against me and the stand that I've taken in my life. Because you see, we got a whole lot of stuff in the church. It ain't just dealing with with sexual sin in the church. The whole issue of pride that people have, how is it that church people can have attitudes against another church person? How is that believers, church people can do it. How is it that a believer cannot like another believer? 
Yeah, we do things wrong. We offend each other. But but the Bible says that we can't. We that when we allow when we allow that fence to settle there, then that root of bitterness grows up in us. And that whole issue of pride, of not wanting to submit first of all to God and then to our brothers and our sisters. God will take a stand against that, or has taken a stand against that. Because it's not according to his word. It's not according to his will, nor is it according to his way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Well, who is my neighbor? Oh, I went, I took food to that sister down on, on, on Green Street. That's my neighbor. No, 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 no. Your neighbor could be your husband or your wife. Right in the house with you. And you're angry and you're bitter. And you've developed an attitude. Lord Jesus, let me go on and preach this message because, you know, this morning I was meditating over this message and the Lord and they're talking about God's provision. And some of us reject God's provision even in our spouses. Mm, Jesus, help us. You got married. Then they're not the right one. Just chew on it. I may not be talking to you. <laughs> one of the greatest blessings that came in my life, and you say you should, you should understand this, you should know this before you get married, but sometimes when you get angry with your spouse, you know, and then you begin to think, well, maybe I should have married somebody else. No, the greatest blessing that happened in my life when I realized that my wife was my blessing. Yeah, my wife is my blessing. Got no business, I don't care about who don't like my wife, she's my blessing. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. My blessing, strengthening me. Amen. And uh, 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 being that, 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 that one that sharpens me when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm getting dull and challenges me when I might get frustrated or may not be doing my best. Let me tell you something. You married, don't let other people into your marriage. Don't listen to no one else who tells you, well, I wouldn't take this and I wouldn't do that. They are not you. They didn't marry who you married. I don't care if it's your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brother. You married that person, then you stay in that marriage and you let God deal with you in that marriage. Because you jump out of it and you're going to jump from the frying pan into the fire. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Somebody said, well, I got better the second time. Mm. 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 You're supposed to be sharpening, sharpening each other. I mean, we're talking about believers. I'm, I'm, I, we're talking about believers. We're talking about the children of God. We're talking about the household of faith. And I'm not talking about the folk that don't know Jesus. I mean, when we look at this text, God is dealing with his people. Let, let me just go a little bit further into this. Uh, and so in this text, you know, God has delivered, he has delivered his people from bondage in Egypt. Okay, now, now when you read this, it sounds like that they were just having a wonderful time in Egypt. They were eating all the food they wanted to eat, you know, and, and they were just having a good time because now they're in the desert. Somebody said, now they're in the desert. And now they are, they're experiencing lack, all right? Now they are suffering. And so when you look back, you might think that, oh, it was better when I was in the world. Mm. But you forget what it was like 
when you were in slavery. You forget what it was like when you were in bondage. They forgot. They forgot. They didn't want to, even though they said it, you know, here, here they are. I'm going to have to not go into all details because this is a kind of a detailed, deep passage. So forgive me if I jump over some 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 details of the message. Go back and read it. So, 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 so here they are in the desert now, and 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 <laughs> they're hungry. I mean, they the whole congregation is hungry, all of them. Now, you know, it was over a million, I don't forget how many million people came out of Egypt. There were a whole lot of people that came out of Egypt. God delivered his people from bondage in Egypt. They were slaves. They were slaves in Egypt. It had gotten so bad that, 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 that Pharaoh uh, took some, some of the provisions from them for making straw after Moses went down and started talking to them. And he made them make straw, make bricks with straw and what have you. And, and it just, he just piled the work on them. But can you imagine, here we are today, you know, we, we, we don't want to be slaves. We're, think, we're, we're thanking God that we're not slaves anymore. But, you know, when you hear some white people say, oh, the slaves enjoy being slaves, you get mad yourself because you know they didn't enjoy being slaves. Maybe the house nigga uh, had a good time, but the field nigga didn't have a good time. And the house nigga, as she was a woman, probably had to submit to that, that, that white man having sex with her. That's how we got all these light skin colors. Amen. My great-great-granddaddy was a slave master. Are you understanding me? A great-great-great-great. So, father, three children by my great-great-great-grandmama. So if, 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 you are, if you are a house nigga, I know that's not a good word to use, but anyway, that's where it was. Maybe you had a little bit better than those that were in the fields and those that were working hard, but it was no fun being a slave. So here they are. They've gone out into the desert, and, they're, and they're, 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 they're going home. Now, let me tell you something. Do you think God knew that the desert was going to come? Yeah, he's God. Ask yourself, if you're experiencing desert in your life, did God know that you're going to come to this place? He knew. He knew. Everything you've gone through in your life, God knew it. Before you got to it, God knew it. That's what we've got to understand. We think that we stumbled into things. Oh, the devil made this happen. We, we talk about this all the time. Satan couldn't touch Job until God gave him permission. Now, that puts this in a different arena. So if God knew what was going to happen and God allowed it to happen, then you got to look at yourself. God... <laughs> Are you against me? Is there something in me that you are against? Uh -uh, no, 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 not, not Gladys. Alfred. See, we point the finger. Yeah, we're, we're good at blaming somebody else. That's why we said the devil made me do it. Uh-uh, uh-uh. 
devil didn't make you do anything. He don't have that kind of power to make you do anything unless you give it to him. You yield to temptation. We sing this song, yield not to temptation. Well, if you ain't been to church, you don't know. If you, don't, if you didn't grow up in the church, you don't know that song. But if you grew up in the church, you know, yield not to temptation for each victory will, uh-oh, I got the first verse, and everybody forgot, each victory will help me some other to win. Huh? You're doing the melody so you get all the words to that's what we do. Yeah, let me harm this thing so I remember. Yeah. So, so let me let me see if I can work through this in the next few minutes. So, they grumble. They're grumbling before the Lord. And, I, and so, like I said, certain points I'm going to pick up on. Not all of it. You can read it and ask the Lord to speak to you. They get there in the desert and they're grumbling. You could have, we could have died by the hand of the Lord. Notice what they said, by the hand of the Lord. They recognize that. So they're not saying that they wanted to go back to Egypt. They're just, they're just saying if we were going to die, we could have died in Egypt. You brought, we're out here in the desert, and it seemed like we're going to die. You know, when people say, I almost died. Well, you're still alive. Hush. Give God praise. You saw, see what happened to Esau when he came home famished, some of them about to die. Just because you're famished, you're not about to die. Watch what you say. <laughs> and God heard their grumbling. First point I want to pick up on this, because you see, when God provides for us, we may not recognize, we may not, we may not recognize his provision. Okay? And this is important because of what we have to deal with in our lives or what somebody may be dealing with in your life. God is providing, and you're not recognizing his provision because it's strange to you. You see, we try to put God in a box, and we try to figure God out. You can't figure God out. One day he might come and do this. or He may do this for this person, and he doesn't do it the same way for the next person. Can't figure God out. So they're grumbling against God. They're grumbling against God. The whole congregation, are, but now notice they, they think they're grumbling against Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron, Moses said, Well, who are we that you should grumble against us? You're literally grumbling against God. Okay. But when it says he heard that grumbling, it doesn't refer to God's ability to perceive what the people were thinking or saying. In God's omniscience, God always knows what we are thinking or what we are about to say. This, this phrase here means that God is paying attention and planning to respond to it. You know, many times when we, we, we talk about God, uh, people grumbling against God, and we see it happening. Uh, when 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 Korah, the Korite rebellion against Moses and Aaron, God dealt with the people severely for them grumbling against his leadership. Even with, with Aaron and 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 his sister uh, Miriam, when they grumbled against uh, uh, Moses and his wife, God dealt with them severely. But in this text, we see something, we see a different aspect of God. 
And this is a wonderful point for people of faith to latch on to. We see God, we see God paying attention. The idiom means that he's paying attention and he's planning to do something. This is important for people of faith to latch on to. Because we think God, we may think God has forgotten about us. God never forgets. He never forgets. You may have told God something 30 years ago, and it hadn't happened yet, but God never forgets. God has a plan that he's working on. You say, God, why it takes so long? It's not God taking so long. <laughs> it's you taking so long to get ready. You know, because if God turns his hand against you, it's for a purpose. If he turns his face against you, well, I want to, well I'm going to say it. It's for a purpose. He wants you to recognize him. You've been recognizing all of these other things. You put your attention everywhere else except God. And even when you go to church, you know, church people are good about this because we're in such a selfish age. We're in such a self-centered time that it's all about us, you know. And so we develop songs that talk about us and doesn't give glory to God. And we walk through church and around church and we're patting each other on the back and we're giving praise to each other and we're not giving praise to God. And we think it's all about us and it's never about us. It's about God. It's about God. Yeah. Yeah. So we see God's loving kindness and God's compassion for his people in this text. Here we see that God is paying attention and God is planning to respond to their complaint, not in a harsh or a chastising way, but in a loving and in a loving and although unfamiliar way. He's gonna respond. It's gonna respond. It's gonna respond. So in their complaining, yeah, yeah, yeah. In their complaining, God is paying attention. In your complaints against the Lord. And, and you may feel your complaint against the Lord is, is justified. God is big enough for you to complain against him if your heart is right. And he's going to respond to you. Although in an unfamiliar way. So you figured it out. God, you got to do this for this to work out. God, you got to do this for me to be at peace, for me to be happy. Like, I don't have to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. And let me tell you, if you think God is trying to kill you, think about the times he saved you. If you think God is trying to take you out, think about the times he protected you. If you think God is, is, is just trying to wipe you out completely, think about the times that he sustains you. See, when we're complaining and going through, we forget that we're still going. How many of you have ever said, I'm hungry, and you looked at your freezer, and there was food in your freezer, food in your, but you're hungry? No, you lazy, you don't want to cook. You don't have the money to go out to eat. 
So now you're complaining because you don't have what, some, what you see somebody else has. You don't know how they pay for their food. I'll never forget the time I went to Las Vegas, and I, I'll never go to Las Vegas again unless the Lord sent me there. I hated that place so much. I know people love Las Vegas. That's on you. I don't care. Love it. But the thing that sticks in my mind is this old man and this old lady who were in the cafeteria trying to buy food. And every credit card they pulled out was declined. I just stayed in my mind. I'm like, how can you gamble away everything you have? Something wrong with that mindset. I know you're trying to hit the big one. But every nickel you spend trying to hit the big one can add up and put some food on your table. Anyway, anyway. So you have to realize that God is keeping you in the midst of what you're going through. It's, it's difficult, but the wonderful thing about our God is that he hears the cries of his children. If we can just hold on, don't do anything foolish. Somebody said, don't do anything foolish. Uh, but wait on God. And you, hallelujah, and you may as well wait on him because it's him who's keeping you now. It is in, it's him who's holding on to you now. It's him who's keeping the bill collectors at bay now. It's him who's giving you a roof over your head now. Wait on him. Wait on him to finish purifying, finish the purifying that he has begun in you that you would never do for yourself. God does works in us that we won't do. First of all, we don't take him seriously. We don't take his word seriously. We say, hmm. other people said I can sin and get away with it. It has nothing to do with other people. It has to do, everything. It has to do with what God has said. It has to do with God's law. We don't take him seriously. And we not, shouldn't be looking at other people. We should be looking at the Lord. Hmm. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 12 and 13, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Some of us go through some fiery trials. Don't think it's strange. Believers, you know, as I was writing this, I, I realized that God speaks to, 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 to the non-believer as well who needs to listen, but he's dealing with us. And so when we're going through, we shouldn't think it's strange. Why is it that we give our lives to Jesus as Savior and Lord, we get baptized, but then we don't do what God wants us to do? And then we start going through and we say, Lord, why? Lord, why, why am I going through this? I'm not supposed to go through this. See, we, we, we're, we, Lord help. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. But a time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begins at us, what shall the end of them be 
who do not obey the gospel. When I gave my life to Jesus, I became a part of the household of faith. If I strayed, God didn't make me stray. I chose to stray. Now, when we read the scripture, most of the time we think about end times. But this was not the end of the time, end of time when Peter wrote. He said, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first began at us, so a lot of things God is dealing with us about. Why is God dealing with us? Because of what he wants out of our lives. That's why God deals with us. And sometimes it has to be harsh because we're stubborn. We're self-willed. We say that we're not, but we are self-willed people. We think it ought to be our way. See, we don't see God. We see our husband. We see our wives. We see our, our friends. We see our coworkers. And so we're very, very, very inclined not to judge ourselves by God's standard, but by other people and measure ourselves by the people around us. And by doing that, we miss God and we miss what God is trying to do in our lives. So God has to start with us because he loves us. This text here doesn't deal with the Malachites. It doesn't deal with the Philistines. It doesn't deal with the Canaanites. It deals with the Hebrew people in the desert, hungry, experiencing starvation pains. The whole assembly, not just a remnant, the whole assembly. Ooh. God's dealing with us. God is dealing with us. Dealing with us. Because he loves us. I know people don't punish their children anymore, but I, I used to hear my daddy say, I'm doing this because I love you. And he had to whoop us. Daddy didn't play. It was not a little, because, you know, DSS wasn't around. You could go to school with whips on your legs. The worst whipping to get was right before the bus came so that you got on the bus crying. You said, oh, children today would say, oh, that's so cool. But it worked. Now children are running the parents, ruling the house, doing what they want. Some children, not all of them. Some of us are still jerk them. Snatch you up. DSS doesn't want you. We don't have too many children in here. Nobody else want to raise your, your, your nobody else want to raise you and feed you. Oh. God deals with us because he loves us. Second point of the message is that when God responds, it will be in a way to build faith. God deals with us because he loves us. 
He hears our cries, and he, he will respond to our cry. He heard the Hebrew people crying. We're hungry. We, you, if we were going to die in the wilderness out here in the desert, we may as well have stayed in Egypt and died in Egypt. God heard them. God heard them. He said, ooh, Lord have mercy. Children, young people, teenagers, if you learn this now, it'll save you from a whole lot of heartache later on in life. I'm telling you. There are things now I wish I had paid attention to mom and daddy when I was younger. I wish I had learned some things when I was younger. I wouldn't have gone through some of the things I've gone through in my life. Oh, the lessons were there. The teaching was there. I just didn't pay attention to it. You know, when you get older, you think, well, you know, I'm a young man. I can do what I want to do. Sometimes you just don't pay attention to God. Let me tell you something. I went to church every Sunday. There are not too many Sundays in my life that I've missed going to worship. And I don't say that as a badge of honor or anything. I'm just telling you, I was a very religious person. I guess I'll say like, but I love the Lord. I, I love to worship. But I, there are not too many Sundays that I missed worship. I would not miss worship. I would work third shift on Saturday night and go take a nap for a couple of hours and get up and take a shower and drive from Columbia to Blair to be in worship on second and fourth Sunday. Because I wasn't missing worship. And then first and third Sunday, I would go to a church in Columbia. I was not missing worship. I told you all about the time I went to see my girlfriend lived in Hemingway, South Carolina. It was watch night. We had dinner. And then I got on the road because I was going to be back in Columbia for worship at 12 o'clock at night. I don't think they were having watch night, but I didn't go to spend the night because uh-uh. no, no, no. We just didn't do that. Amen. I and my car broke down on the road, down in a dark place, somewhere, wherever County Hemingway is in. I don't even know. 12 o'clock, I got on the phone. I'm not there on the dark. I got on the phone and called a friend of mine in Columbia. I said, it's 12 o'clock. We got to pray the New Year in. I can't be in worship. But we got to pray the New Year in. So, you know, there are not too many Sundays in my life since I've been laying on my mama's lap in church that I've missed worship on Sunday because I'm just not going to do that. But because, just because I did that doesn't mean I did everything right in my life because I didn't do everything right in my life. God had to do some things in my life to teach me some things. So, 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 when we look at this and we see that God responds in a way that will build faith, then you ask to ask, how does, how does this work? Well, well, faith is built through teaching and testing. Now, this is a simple process. You know it because all of us been to school. You just don't go sit in the class. You listen to the teacher. You do your homework, and certain periods of time, you have to take a test. Now, if you pay attention and if you study and you pass the test, you don't have to take that course again. You go on to the next one. The problem with us in faith is that 
We don't pay attention. We don't study. We don't learn the lesson. So we have to continue to take the course over and over. So I've been around this mountain how many times? Those Israelites could have went into the, into the promised land in two weeks, 40 years. 40 years they went around the same mountain. How many times have you been going around this mountain? And whose fault is it? Oh, it's the devil's fault. That old devil, old slew foot. I rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Still going around the mountain. Rebuke yourself. Rebuke that spirit in you. Hear the Lord. So, 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 so God builds faith through test, through teaching and testing. And he may blow your mind with what he does. However, there will be, hallelujah, a teaching moment in that process. He will teach you something important for your life's journey, and the testing will come to show whether you've learned the lesson or not. So if you look at verse, verses 4 and 5 in chapter 16, um, verses 4 and 5, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people, listen now, the people that go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions or they will keep my law. All right? Yeah, yeah. See whether they will keep my law. That's an important point in this, in this passage of Scripture. Okay? Uh, yeah. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on, on the other days. Now, God gives some instruction there. All right? Have you ever gotten the a text and said, oh, I know what that is, and you didn't read the whole text. Oh. One time in Rock Hill, they were honoring people for stuff, and I said, hmm, they didn't honor me. I wanted to go back through my mail and realize I missed the letter because I didn't check my mail thoroughly. Hmm. Hmm. Are y'all following me? I know I'm not running over the pulpit and hooping home, but I hope you're getting some stuff out of this. There's some instruction in here. There's some instruction in here. There's some instruction in the Word. Now listen, unless you read this, you don't know the instruction. So if I, I've said this before. If your, if your spirituality is only in your singing and your worship and you're not in this Word, you're missing something very, very, very important. It might be good for you to stop listening to God, not everybody, to stop listening to gospel music for a while. Get in this word. Get in this word. Study the word. That's some instruction in here that you don't need to miss. You don't need to miss. So, <laughs> Ooh. so what God does is, remember, they were talking about meat, right? We had as much meat as we want. Well, as we wanted in Egypt, they didn't have as much as they wanted, but at this point, and they're starving, in their minds, they're saying, we, got it. we had as much as we wanted. So God, God's provision for the Israelites immediately addressed their short-term need and their long-term need for food. So he said, at twilight, I'm going to send quail. 
All right, and then later on, while Aaron is talking, they look across the horizon, and here comes this cloud. The glory of the Lord is being revealed here. God reveals his glory in so many ways. The quail are coming, and they cover the camp. They could have as much meat as they wanted that night. Short-term need, because they wanted meat. That night, dew fell over in the night. And the next morning, they woke up and they saw this strange substance on the ground after the dew dried up. And they said, I am not Hebrew. I never took Hebrew, so I may not pronounce this correct. They said, manna. Short, man, where we get manna from, which means, what is it? We ain't never seen this before. When you study what manna is, okay, it's a substance that probably came from the, the, the excretion from insects on the tamarisk tree that had the taste of honey. Now, for 40 years, God fed them with manna. Moses, God tells Moses, it's bread from heaven. 40 years. Thank God for knowing our frame and remembering that we're dust. Because <laughs> today, we don't want to eat the same thing the next day. Mm. Mm. What is it? Now, God is meeting their need. They don't understand what it is. And this is one of the points. This is one of the points of the message. God is teaching them something in this. He does not meet your need according to your expectation. What are you expecting God to do? What have you figured out in your mind that God needs to do for you? God does not meet your need according to your expectation because you are not God. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Now, let's get to these instructions, okay? Each one of you is to gather as much as he needs. Why is this so important? These are agricultural people, okay? So those of us who have gardens, you know, and we have tomatoes and okra and all that stuff, I hadn't done it this year like I did it last year, but we start preserving stuff. We got an abundance right now, so I can my tomatoes and my okra and freeze my okra because I'm planning for later on. God said, no, -uh. mm -mm. I want to teach you something. Here, you can only gather as much as you need for this one day. Each of you gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent or in your house. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little, and when they measured by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. And Moses said, no one is to keep any of it until morning. God wants to teach you this. Scripture will say, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Give us this day. God wants you to know that daily he will provide for you. You're trying to look down the road. And it's okay to plan for down the road. But right now, in the season that you're in, God wants you to know that you've got to trust him 
day by day. And God wants you to know that he's faithful. You can trust him day by day. You can do it. Now, what happened if they gathered too much? Because you know how people are. Uh, God really didn't mean that. I mentioned these are agricultural folks. They, they, are, they are accustomed to storing up things in the storehouse and in their barns, you know, for later on. So this is totally against the grain. And you got to understand that God is going to operate in your life totally against the grain. When are you going to humble yourself under God's mighty hand? When are you going to say, yes, Lord, I surrender? What we do is we keep fighting. We want to do it our way. They couldn't do it because if they kept the food to morning, <laughs> this is gross. Maggots were in it. It was spoiled and maggots were in it. So if you ate it, you got sick. You had to trust God day by day. You're asking God, God, what is this thing that has happened in my life? God said, trust me. Day by day. I've not forgotten about you. You got to see that I'm sustaining you in the midst of what you're going through. Trust me. Day by and this is not just for the present, but it speaks to the future. Because when we read this scripture and it talks about the bread that comes from heaven, it points to Jesus who is the bread of life that came from heaven to save us, to meet our need, not our wants. Which is another aspect of something that we have to deal with. When do we start living and, 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 and living according to our needs and not our wants? Some of us get in financial difficulty because we're living on our wants. We see this and we want it, we get it. I bought a pair of sandals the other night. They were on sale when I first looked at it, but it wouldn't go through. I could have paid cash and I didn't. So I said, well, I'm going to see if this thing is going to work. Guess what? When I get those shoes, I'm sending them right back to the, to the place because I don't need them. I'm getting my money back in my account because I don't need those shoes. I look in my closet, my closet packed. What do I need new clothes for? I don't need new clothes unless I lose some more weight and can't wear the ones I got. But we live according to our wants. And we get in trouble because we want this and we want that. And why do we want so much? Because our neighbors got it. One of the things I learned about being available to the Lord in mission work is that I have to live like. I want to be able to go wherever God wants me to go, whenever he wants me to go, and, not, and I am not encumbered by debt. Now, some people want to be out of debt so they can go to where, when they want to go on a vacation. I want to go on a mission field when the Lord says go. I don't want debt to be standing in the way. It's okay to go on a vacation. But when is your heart inclined to the Lord? Well, I tithe, and I give God 10% of my time. Do you see how legalistic that is? You're going to actually count the time you spend in worship and in doing service for the Lord so you can say you're a good steward of your time when your whole body belongs to God and everything you have belongs to God? You have to learn 
if we're going to be faithful stewards of what God has blessed us with and our resources are available to be used by God for his glory, that we don't live according to our wants. And my God shall supply all your need. Y'all didn't say that loud enough. You're like, I don't like that. But that's a want. Sometimes I want a new car. And a certain kind of new car. Not one I can afford. That doesn't stretch me. Get ready to buy a new house. You start saying, well, if I cut back here, and I cut back there, then I can afford to do this. No, why not, why not buy something within your means so you're not worried about trying to cut back and stretch it to make it because you buy the house, you forget you got house insurance. You forget you got bills to pay. You forget all of this stuff, taxes and all of this stuff that come in. It's not just your house payment. So we tend to live according to our wants. Thirdly, it comes with testing. Building faith it's not just teaching you something. But when God teaches you, he tests you. Because you got to see if you learned a lesson. And most of us don't learn the lesson. Because we skip over things. Y'all know what, anybody been to college, you know what cliff notes are. And then you got these Peters that these not anybody, not us. We don't do that. You got these people that get degrees. They got enough money to pay somebody to do that classwork for them, and they just get the degrees. They don't really know the stuff. Where are we in the Lord? So God, this gift that God, the quail that God sent that night. Now they didn't get meat. They didn't get meat every day. They got bread from heaven every day. But they could only gather so much. They couldn't keep it. Now, as people do, some people didn't pay attention. They went out and they tried to gather more than enough. And they found out that it spoiled. And later on, when they were supposed to be, uh, down at verse 28, when they were not supposed to be gathering on the Sabbath, that was the other thing. Uh, on the sixth day, you gather enough for two days. This is how specific God is. Gather enough for two days. That's the only time you can gather more. It didn't spoil. So then this gift that God gave to them came with a test. Uh, the NIV says, uh, it, it's translated so that I can test them to see what, whether or not they will keep my instructions. But it says I will test them to see whether or not they will walk by my law. Okay. In other words, the people's willingness to obey the manna-giving law would show God whether or not they would be inclined to keep his covenant law as revealed at Mount Sinai. God sees ahead. So what God was doing in this instance, he's testing them to see if you can obey this, then you can obey this later on. But if you fail this test, you're definitely going to fail the test later on. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Unless you study, unless you go back and change your habits, if you fail the first math test and you keep on doing the same thing, you're going to fail the second math test and the third math, te math test and eventually fail the course. Makes sense. So if they could keep 
this manner giving law, then it will show that they would keep the Torah that will be given at Mount Sinai. It required faith for an agricultural people, as I said, because of what they were accustomed to doing. Okay? They were being asked to restrain from their natural tendency to gather as much as was available to gather in anticipation of time when no gathering would be possible. God was teaching them to trust him every day afresh. And they were challenged to think about his provision in a way that they had never thought about it before. He was testing his people. And you see, if you look at throughout the Exodus events, God tests his people time and time again. But he's building faith in them because he's getting them ready to enter the promised land. So what you're doing, what you're going through right now, you may not recognize the hand of God. It may seem strange what the Lord is taking you through. It may seem real strange. Some of you have been through stuff that seems strange, but it built your faith. God knows what he's doing. Will we allow him to do it? Will we allow God to do what he's doing in our lives to get us to the place where we trust him and we know how to trust him and we pay attention to the hand of the Lord and the movement of the Lord and the times and the seasons that we're in so that we trust him in the midst of whatever it is. Let me tell you something. You're never going to stop going through. You're going to go through one thing and then to another thing and to, to another thing until the Lord calls you home. But in the midst of it, the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. God knows what he's doing. God knows you. God knows what you need. So in your life, this may not be the time that you're dancing, that you're smiling, that you're always up and happy. It may be a great time of testing. But if you learn the lesson, God will turn your morning into dancing. He'll give you a hallelujah in spite of what you're going through when you learn the lessons of faith that God is trying to teach you. But you got to learn the lessons. Remember, if you learn the lesson and pass the test, you don't have to take the course anymore. But you got to go to the next course. Math 101 is much simpler than geometry, trigonometry. You got to go to the next course, but it's taking you somewhere. Something good is happening in your life. Right now, it doesn't feel good. God is doing something to make you good, to make you better. He's doing something to make you better. We say thank you. If you're at a place you say, God, what is it? I don't recognize this. 
I've never seen this before. Mama didn't go through this. Daddy didn't go through this. I've never seen this before. Surrender to the Lord. Look at you. Ask the Lord to show you. Sometimes I'll sing that song. Search me, Lord. Search me, Lord. Shine the light of heaven on my soul. If you find anything that shouldn't be, take it out. Now, I don't know what it says. Straighten the strength in me. Straighten me. Because I want to be right. Not right in man's eyes. God, I want to be right in your eyes. I want to be whole. What's the last one? I got to be free. <laughs> but that's what points it takes us to being free. Saints, 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 people of God. God is doing something in us. Every time we think we got it right, God says, there's something else I need to work on. Sometimes we don't think we have it right. We're just living life. Something I need to be working. I need to work on it again. I was thinking about this this morning, and 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 I thought about it this way, but it's, I know it's not this way. You see, the issue is, I had another word in my mind. The issue is that you gave your life to Jesus. And he is committed to bringing you to wholeness. He is committed to making you fruitful in his kingdom. And it's a process that's not easy for us. But if we wait on him, if we learn the lessons, if we go through the test and pass them, we don't have to take that course anymore. saints of God. Saints of God. Children, young people, take God seriously. He knows what he's doing. We don't know. He knows what he's doing. He loves you. He's paying attention to you. I thank God for paying attention to me. Because all of my church going was not just for the sake of going to church. I used to tell the Lord, Lord, I love you, but I know my love is imperfect. I don't love you the way you love me. Lord, look at my heart. So he had to take me through some stuff. He's not finished yet. And I'm glad he's not finished. I'm going to say, yes, Lord. Whatever your will is, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. He's not going to destroy me. He's not going to kill me. He's going to make me a better person. 
who wants to do the same thing for you? Today, there may be someone who needs to make a decision for Christ. This is the starting point where you say, yes, Lord, I give my life to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. Whether you're in the sanctuary or you're watching us online, God loves you. He proved it by giving Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins, even before we were born. Today, will you make that decision for Christ? Let's stand. Let's go to this is an old song church would sing. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus just now. Just now. Just now, come to Jesus, just now, to Jesus, come If you're in the sanctuary and want to give your life to Christ, will you come down? If you're watching us online, on the comment section, or write us on our website, let us know that you want to give your life to Jesus. We're going to pray with you in just a moment. And if you accept Christ, you can let us know so that we can follow up with you. The thing about this is, when you give your life to Jesus, you start the process of growing in the Lord and learning the lessons of faith that you need to learn to fulfill your destiny and be the person God ordained for you to be. God did not create you to live for Satan or to live for yourself in the world. God created you to live for him. It's a decision that you have to make. He won't force you. He will allow things to happen in your life to kind of push you along, but he will never force you. Will you pay attention? Will you say yes? Just now. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him, only trust him just now, just now, just now, only trust him just now. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, I want you to follow me in this prayer. Just, just follow what I say in this prayer, or you can pray your own prayer. But what we understand is that Christ satisfied God's law by dying on the cross. 
God's law says a soul that sinned, a person who sins must surely die. Jesus died in your place. He satisfied the righteous requirement of God's law on your behalf. So we're going to pray this prayer that speaks to that. And if you want to be saved, pray that prayer. But it's not just enough to pray and ask Jesus to come into your life because the Lord doesn't have secret soldiers. Okay? He doesn't have people that are ashamed of him. He said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. So it's not just enough to pray and ask Jesus to come in, but there has to be a public profession of your faith in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't matter. All of us have done it. And I remember at 10 years old going up to the front of the church and, and making my confession of faith to the pastor at 10 years old. All of us who've accepted Christ have done it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. The Lord will be with you as you walk. Or somebody, if you start out, somebody will come and take you by your hand and bring you to the front. Are you right? And somebody's watching immediately to respond to you. So repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I deserve death because of my sin. But Jesus, I understand that you died on the cross to satisfy God's law on my behalf. You took my place became my substitute by dying for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. I receive you now by faith. I thank you, Lord, for saving me. And today, I confess before people, before those around me, before my family, I confess today that I have received you as my Savior and my Lord, and I am saved today. Thank you, Father. Amen. Brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. 
Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.